I'm Tommy Bailey with Bailey Farms in Angleton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on the Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's a strong potential for wildfires in the Texas High Plains right now. Going after those pesky trees like salt cedars and junipers is one way to help minimize the threat. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The results of the 2022 Census of Agriculture will be released on February 13th, 2024. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on some of the questions asked about the Census of Agriculture straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. In this report from Extreme South Texas, we look back at 2023 and more. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Deworming cattle can pay back big returns in increased health and animal performance. Grant Crawford is a cattle technical services nutritionist with Merck Animal Health. Deworming is actually the one animal health technology that delivers the biggest return in the cow-calf segment and the stalker segment when cattle are on grass. So, and it makes sense because that's where worms live is on grass. Whenever cattle are grazing, they're picking up worms. And if we're, if we're not taking care of those worms, they can have negative effects on growth, reproduction, and animal health. So it's really important. Crawford says pour-ons and injectables are much less effective now than they used to be. There hasn't been a whole lot of improvements or new technology in dewormers. No new molecules in dewormers for a long time, so we're using the same stuff over and over again. The pour-ons and injectables have been the tried and true products for years, but they're not working as well as they used to, largely because, one, just overuse and also misuse. You know, we, we oftentimes don't correctly dose. We think our cattle are smaller than they are, so we're giving them a lower dose. And so the, the products don't work like they should. And we found that in some of our fecal egg count reduction test testing where we want to see a 90% reduction in fecal egg counts. We consider that to be a successful deworming. The porons and injectables are probably only reducing those egg counts about 50 or 60%, which means there's still a lot of worms left in the gut of those cattle causing damage. So what can be done about this resistance? Well, there's a couple different things you can do. Uh, a drench dewormer, an oral dewormer, whether it's a drench or a feed product, 
instead of going through the hair and through the hide like a, like a poron or injectable would have to do, it goes straight to the gut where worms live. And the efficacy of those products is significantly higher, 95% or more reduction in fecal egg count. So that's one. Um, secondly, dosing on the correct weight, like I said before, is important. And then also thinking about the key times of the year that we should deworm cattle. Uh, where you are in Texas, you maybe have green grass all year, but if there is a hard frost where, where the grass goes dormant, that's a good time to deworm because cattle aren't going to pick up worms off of a dormant pasture. If they're moved off of pasture into a dry lot, another good time to deworm because they're not going to pick up worms from a dry lot. And then also midsummer deworming. That's one we forget about a lot. A lot of people, when they're turning cattle out to grass early in the year after calving, they're deworming at that time. But once those cattle are on green, lush grass, they're picking up worms. So if we can come back sometime in the summer and do a deworming at that point, it can really help keep body condition on the cows, help them produce more milk to give to those calves, increasing weaning weight on the calves. That's Grant Crawford, Cattle Technical Services Nutritionist with Merck Animal Health. There is a strong potential for wildfires on the Texas High Plains right now. James Hunt tells us getting rid of troublesome trees can help minimize the threat. The Texas High Plains is currently considered to be in a state of exceptionally high wildfire risk. It often seems that the wildfires we experience in our region are much more severe than was true years ago. At a recent AgriLife wildfire education event, Rancher Jason Abraham of Canadian, who has a lot of experience helping fight wildfires, shared some thoughts on why they have become more extreme. We've evolved a bunch over the last 50 years through the NRCS and Texas AgriLife, teaching ranchers how to graze properly and stuff like that. So what we've gone from is, you know, our ranch land used to look like this floor where you could just lick the ground and then water just run off. But then we started putting in watershed dams or, or dirt tanks. And now the creek bottoms that used to flood all the time that would stop all the fires are now grown up and the marginal farmland that used to be farmed and terraced and would have a lot of erosion problems too, those things are put back into CRP. So what I want to get across is we've got a large fuel load than what we used to have back 30 years ago, even you know 50 years ago. So the large fuel loads are here. The things that stop the big fires are not here. So these bigger fires are going to be just the way of life is where we're going. Compounding the wildfire threat, Abraham says, is the growing presence in our region of invasive species of trees. The blueberry juniper is such a fire hazard for us when we're out fighting grass fires. When it gets in those junipers, there's nothing you can do. You just got to step back and watch it burn. To help control trees like junipers and salt cedars, Jason Abraham has invented a new way to administer herbicide. It's called the brush bullet, and you can find out more at brushbullet.com. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We should have the results of the latest Census of Agriculture soon. Tom Nicoletti reports. The findings from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Premier Ag Data Collection Survey will become available in early 2024. Joe Prasaki with the National Agricultural Statistics Service talks about the 2022 Census of Agriculture's soon-to-be-released results. We're looking for a good product to be available on the 13th of February. Prasaki addresses the question of why a census where data was collected in late 2022 
and early 2023 is being released in 2024. It takes all of 23 to compile data from between 2 and 3 million farmers, so it takes a while. I think the biggest question is, why do you mail out or try to collect data from 3 plus million farmers? And whereas the farm count in the United States is about 2 million, why? Well, because farmers are in and out, in and out, so you don't necessarily cast. That's one. The other thing people ask is, why do you do it? Trust me, it's not cheap to do a sense of agriculture. And why do you do it? It's to get that benchmark, that snapshot of what's going on in the United States. My first sense of agriculture with USD NAS was in 1997. Things have changed dramatically in the world of agriculture since then. And in that sense, you can track it through and see what's going on county by county to see what's happening. And there's a lot of people other than ag people that look at the census. Somebody says, oh, hey, I'm not a farmer, but it does impact you because the census has data in there that industry folks, they'll look at and they'll say, you know what, based on these information, it looks like maybe there's a bunch of small farms coming into this particular area, this particular county. Maybe we'll put a store in here. It brings jobs, it brings tax money to your local area. So it does help. That is Joe Prasaki with USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2023 is now behind us, and it was a year of ups and downs in the Rio Grande Valley. Jim Hearn has this report from Extreme South Texas. 2023 was certainly an interesting year for Valley agriculture. The citrus bloom got South Texas back to about 80% of its pre-2021 freeze, and the 2024 bloom should get us back to pre-freeze levels. Now, it was a busy year for citrus production, not only commercially, but gift fruit and fundraising activity was brisk. That should start tapering off as we head into the new year. Reservoir levels have been steady, at least for the past month. Falcon levels are up about 2.5% over the past year, though Amistad, the other reservoir that provides water to the Rio Grande Valley, It's been a major concern. It's down about 20% from last year's levels. Spring planting just around the corner. Growers are certainly concerned about having enough water to get these new crops off to a good start. The extreme South Texas area currently is not under any type of drought classifications, but a moderate drought could take place without any winter rains. We certainly have not gotten the early winter rains that we normally get. We also missed the rains of September, our normally rainiest month. Now, currently, it looks like mild days and dry weather will stay through over South Texas into 2024. As we look to 2024, let's hope that the mild temperatures stay with us. We need some above average rainfall, though, to be in this mix of weather pattern with no damaging cold weather expected. For Texas Ag Today, this is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. There will soon be additional wildlife crossings in deep south Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And embryonic loss is one of the most common causes of infertility in mares. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. One of the most common causes of infertility in mares is early embryonic loss. Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. Early embryonic death includes any loss of the embryo from fertilization to 40 days. One study indicated about 18% of normal mares will lose their pregnancies during this period. And this number is even greater in embryo transfer. If the mare is a subfertile mare, early embryonic death may occur in 80% of these mares. These losses can be due to the uterine environment, abnormalities of the embryo, stress, twinning, hormonal deficiencies, and fertilization during foal heat. Older oocytes were also less quality and are a primary factor in reduced fertility, as is increased weight of the mare. Dietary supplementation of omega-3 fatty acids is believed to improve oocyte metabolic function, and aspirin has been shown to increase blood flow to the uterus and ovary and increase progesterone concentration, which will also improve oocyte function. One reason for early embryonic death is if the embryo is too small. The mare's uterus may not recognize it as a pregnancy. This can also occur if there are cysts in the uterus, which prevents the embryo from migrating in the uterus, as if this does not occur, the uterus will not recognize the pregnancy. Sometimes administration of progesterone can increase uterine tone and prevent death of the embryo. Another cause of early embryonic death is infection or inflammation in the uterus, as the embryo cannot survive in this environment. So treatment for infection or inflammation is required. Infection and inflammation can be diagnosed with a uterine culture and cytology. Lastly, many mares have scarring and fibrosis in their uterus, and these mares cannot maintain a pregnancy. The condition can be diagnosed with a uterine biopsy and should be performed in any mare with decreased fertility. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There will soon be additional wildlife crossings in deep south Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. More than a million and a half dollars has been allocated to help build wildlife crossings in Texas. According to the U.S. Department of Transportation, $1.78 million has been awarded to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to construct multiple underpass crossings on Steve Thompson Drive at the Laguna Atascosa National Wildlife Refuge. The goal of the crossings is to reduce the risk of vehicles hitting endangered ocelots and to help protect the species from extinction. The funding is part of $110 million in grants that DOT's Federal Highway Administration is awarding for 19 wildlife crossing projects in 17 states. According to DOT, there are more than a million wildlife vehicle collisions in the U.S. each year. The department says they present a danger to human safety and wildlife survival, cost more than $8 billion, and result in approximately tens of thousands of serious injuries and hundreds of fatalities on U.S. roads. 
Ocelots have been listed as an endangered species since the early 1980s. The only remaining breeding populations in the United States are in deep south Texas, including at the Laguna Atascosa National Wildlife Refuge in Los Fresnos. There are an estimated 100 to 150 ocelots remaining in Texas. The Panhandle Wildlife Conference has been rescheduled for February 1st and 2nd in Lubbock. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the conference will be the first of its kind since the 1990s and will explore the diverse landscape and wildlife of the Texas Panhandle. You can register at panhandlewildlife.com. That is panhandlewildlife.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. Everything was closed on New Year's Day, so we'll look back at Friday's closes coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Friday was the last trading day of 2023, and we closed it out mostly lower in our agricultural markets. Cotton was about the only gain that we saw in the live cattle futures. We were lower on all except the nearby December contract. Of course, it was going off the board on Friday, and it actually closed near the cash price, which is something we don't always see in live cattle futures. December live cattle up 247, closing at 173.67. February down 42, 168.50. April live cattle down 2, closing at 172.25. Feeders were lower as well. January feeder cattle down 17, 222.30. March down 2, 223.10, with April down 2 at 228.90. Cash-fed cattle sales, slow to come in last week, but we did wrap up the week selling cattle at 172 here in the Southern Plains. Up north, they sold them at 172 to 173 live. Dressed sales at 273. Those prices about a dollar higher on the live side, three dollars higher on the dressed cattle. Boxed beef was mixed Friday choice down 241 at 288.87. Select up a dollar 20. 260.44. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry and Benny Cox put on great sales each week in San Angelo. Sheep and goats on Tuesday, cattle on Thursday. Let's review with Jody Fry how that last cattle sale turned out. Jody? Market was good. A uh, good way to end the new year. 680 head day, but we had that weather change. A reminder, that was the last cattle sale for 2023. The first cattle sale will be on January the 4th. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from $2 all the way up to a high of near 290 mostly 220 to 250 Better quality heifers, four to 600 pounds, 185 all the way up to a high of 250 mostly 210 to 225 Slaughter cows, average 
highest high yielding, 73 to 87. Still some of those highest yielding slaughter cows, 88 to 96. Thin or very low yielding cows, including some of the longhorn cows from 55 to 70. Slaughter bulls average the high yielding from 88 to a dollar. Just a few of those highest yielding slaughter bulls today from 103 to a high of 111. Bread cows uh, had one group of young to solid mouth heavy bread cows, black and black white face. That group brought 1850. Good. Jody, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. We'll be there at the office, 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you, too. Jody and Benny will be back with us on January 4th for the cattle sale. I believe January the 9th, the Tuesday, for the sheep and goat sale. You've been listening to me. Don't forget, my name's Larry Marble on Walking the Pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're doing so right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Friday. February hogs down 47, 67, 97. April down 15, 74, 85. Class 3 milk was steady with December milk unchanged, 16, 11, 100 weight. January milk unchanged at 15, 40, 100. The cotton market did manage to eke out a slight gain to wrap up the trading year. An interesting statistic, if you look at the opening tick of the nearby cotton contract back in January, first day of the year, and you look at the closing price as of Friday, there's only a 2.45 cent or about a 2.5 cent difference between those two prices. So in the span of 12 months, you didn't see the cotton market move very much at all. We close things out on Friday with March cotton up 5 points, 81 cents even. May up 25 points, 82.15. July up 41 at 82.83. Corn and wheat both drifted lower with no fresh news to move the market. March corn down 3, 471 and a quarter. May corn down 2.5 at 484 a bushel. Wheat market, same thing. No news in the market. Prices just drifted lower in a very light holiday volume type of trade. March Kansas City wheat down one and three quarters, 642 a bushel. March Chicago wheat down three and a half at 628 a bushel. In the energy markets, February natural gas was down six cents, 249. February West Texas crude down 30 at 71.47 a barrel. The financial markets on Friday afternoon were slightly lower. The Dow down 32 points, 37,677. The Nasdaq down 64 at 15,030. The S&P down 10 at 4,772. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.